Welcome to another edition of Friends in the Business with me, Jennifer English, brought to you by the 49ers Golf and Country Club and the fabulous Rincon Mountain Grill. So throughout my broadcasting career, there are certain people who have become really part of my, my, my radio family, my narrative family. People who are both uh, teacher and friend, uh, mentor and uh, influencer. The generosity with which my next guest has welcomed me into his world um, has been extraordinary. His generosity in coming on the air with us to talk about the ways that a more positive outlook can actually impact the way leaders lead and the way businesses succeed uh, has been well-established and profound. But during this period of, of, people like to call it uncertainty, let's just call it what it is, it's a little bit scary. And we turn to our leaders, those who are charged with keeping us safe and telling us about all the best thinking and latest best practices. Um, and we rely on them to do a lot of things to keep us and our families safe, including those in local government, none more so than at the county level where we look to the Pima Board of Supervisors and my one friend in particular, Ramon Valadez, for keeping us um, aware of what we can be doing and should be doing uh, to not only support ourselves in our health and wellness and our families, but the community at large. How do we support our businesses? How do we support our first responders? And there's a lot of shifting, changing, evolving information out there. And we are particularly grateful that my generous friend, Pima County Supervisor Ramon Valadez is here with us today to talk about this very topic of how we're gonna get through all this and what it might look like on the other side with his patented positivity and powerful message. Uh, he joins us again. I've missed my friend, Ramon, welcome back. Thank you, Jennifer, it's a, it's a real pleasure for me to join you once again and uh, I've missed you as well. It's good to see you and uh, good to talk to you again. So uh, I've gotta start by saying, um, how many officially weeks are we into what we're identifying as this time of uncertainty. Um, how long have we been in this, according to sort of you all in the, in the governmental perspective? Well, uh, I'll limit it not only governmental perspective, but our local governmental perspective. Um, we actually, and most people don't know this, on January 30 or 31st in that time frame, uh, the Pima County actually opened up a virtual health emergency operations center, which is called the EOC, Emergency Operations Center. Uh, and that was in response to concerns uh, that there was a potential COVID-19 related um, risk uh, as the Gem and Minerals show was here uh, during the month of February. Uh, and thankfully, we didn't have a, uh, uh, an incident, a uh, uh, COVID-related uh, incident during that show, but we did open up uh, that emergency operations center at that point. The first case that we saw was obviously a travel-related case, and I believe that happened around March 8th or 9th, uh, which was the one uh, that the, the, uh, started it off, it was the first case here, uh, and about two to three days later, we actually opened up the Emergency Operations Center uh, uh, again, the, the full operate, Emergency Operations Center. And, and that's so, relatively late relative to the United States. Um, no, actually, if you look at the, the fact that we've no, had... The, the, for, I was going to say the first case. Our first case oh, yeah. was later than the first cases hitting in New York and Massachusetts and Washington State. Washington State, Massachusetts, and New York got hit hard before we did. And a lot of that, if you really think about it, it has uh, a lot to do with international travel destinations. Uh, while we get a good amount of international travel, it's certainly not the volume that they all get. How did we get so lucky with Gem Show? I mean, we have hundreds of thousands of visitors from all over the world, including China. How did we get so lucky to not have it hit sooner and harder? Um, you know what? I, I think to a great degree, uh, a lot of the folks that came here were already uh, uh, had protective measures in place um, in consultation with our public health department, uh, with the emergency, uh, the health-related emergency operations center that we, that we had put in place. 
I think that there were enough precautions uh, to keep it from, from spreading if, if someone came here with the actual virus. Um, obviously, um, we, uh, some of it was, was luck. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad we had that luck. Because um, obviously one of the things, Jennifer, that, that it, as a leader in our community has, uh, has become really challenging. And within that challenge lies opportunity, obviously. And we need to view it that way. But one of the things that, that has created this whole new opportunity is simply put that the rule book uh, on how we run things it has been out the window. Uh, the truth is, if you really think about it, we are living in a time, in a situation that none of us, even the, the nation, hasn't really gone through since the Spanish flu in, uh, in the, the early 1900s. Uh, and I don't think there's many people around from, from that uh, episode of our, of our, uh, of our country. So the, uh, to, to try and lead in a situation where we're constantly learning new things so that it almost seems as if though uh, um, the information that we're using to make those decisions changes almost hourly. And in some right. cases early on, almost every 15 minutes. Uh, and the truth, there's still a lot to be learned. So right now what we're trying to do, first of all, you know, uh, in my personal case, obviously faith plays a lot to do with it, and, and the fact that 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 uh, that we've been do we've been leading and, and and governing for for a considerable amount of time, um, but but it's a whole new set of rules, right? Uh, so that we have prioritized keeping our community safe and trying to blend in now, trying to reopen in a safe manner, um, because obviously. Um, I've seen several memes on Facebook, as I'm sure you have, that, that uh, the loosening of restrictions does not mean the pandemic is over. Right. Now, one of the good news parts of it is it appears, uh, based on our public health department, uh, that uh, Pima County's peak has passed. Now, it doesn't mean it's over. It means that the high point has passed in Pima County, Okay. Now, we were ahead in terms of reaching that peak than Maricopa County and certainly uh, uh, Navajo County, who, who uh, I think we probably need to say a prayer for because of the situation they're in. So we can see, uh, but just because we're relaxing some of those restrictions nationally and throughout the state, um, you've heard it from the governor repeatedly. Uh, he has gone on record and said, hey, our dining experience isn't going to be the same, so don't expect it to be the same as it was before. Right. And he's not even sure if it's ever going to be the same. Uh, he said again, over and over, vulnerable populations need to, to continue uh, the safe uh, public uh, health um, safety measures. Uh, and frankly, I think we all need to. Uh, when, when you look at the, even the board meetings that we're having right now, uh, we've usually got at least two board members who are turning, attending virtually. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm wearing a mask even on the dais. Um, we, uh, tomorrow is our, uh, our tentative budget adoption for Pima County. And this is the first time that we've opened it back up to the public. But again, uh, we're asking them to go through a wellness check, wear a mask, uh, and we're going to have them, uh, sanitize their hands before they go into the, the, the room. Uh, the, the chairs where they can sit are labeled, uh, that they can, uh, sit and not sit so that we make sure that there is physical distancing uh, in place as well. Um, so we need to continue, especially when you're talking about masks. Masks aren't the, as protective for the, the wearer. They're to protect everyone else from any uh, microbe or bacteria or virus that we may be carrying. Because someone could be a carrier and not be sick themselves. The, uh, right now, from what, the nearest information that we have is that a high percentage of carriers can be asymptomatic. Wow. That means they don't have any symptoms, but they're still contagious. Pima County Supervisor Ramon Valdez is with us, and I have to wonder, among the thousands of challenges that this moment in time has brought forward, what has been something that has really challenged you that you would identify as one of the more significant challenges that we face as as a community, as, as a family, really, in Pima County? If you think about it, um, I, I've already mentioned it a little bit, the constant change of information, the constant understanding of the science and the medicine related to the virus, uh, constant changing 
of what is available, what is not. The constant changing of, uh, of what information we've got and what information we don't. Um, in truth, at one point I called one of my mentors up uh, and, I, and uh, he was one of my uh, mentors when I was in the legislature. He was a, a colleague there. He was my, my uh, caucus leader. And I said, hey, how are we supposed to lead when we have a certain set of information, but 15 minutes later, it's different? Um, I said, to, and, and my exact words to him were, I've got two things to lead with, instinct and faith. Now, obviously, the, the, I can do that, um, but it's, you know, I'm an engineer by education, which means I like to do things a little bit more informationally based. So part of the challenge has been that we're learning as we're developing. You may have uh, heard the, the video that I did on the ninth, nine criteria of coming out of uh, uh, and unwinding the, the, the public health measures we have in place. Obviously, you know, we're accelerating a little bit uh, as a result of the governor's order. Um, but we, we adopted last week uh, standards for gyms and restaurants and, and pools and other public areas. Um, and that those were drafted specifically with the intent of not conflicting with right. the governor's order because we obviously have to follow it. But again, our intent there is simply to provide guidance for those, uh, those businesses and those organizations. And our ultimate goal has to be to keep our public safe. Right. Look, pandemic's not over. The virus is still contagious. The virus is still out there. Now, we are loosening our restrictions simply because our community has been very good, uh, by and large, about following those public health standards. But we still need to uh, have physical separation. Honestly, we should probably all be wearing masks if we can for, for a little while longer still at least to protect our vulnerable population. Right. Uh, if, you're, if you fit in one of the CDC uh, health conditions or age or you have a vulnerable person in your household, again, don't, don't go out where you don't have to right? and protect yourself when you do. Um, treat uh, treat uh, anybody you meet as a potential carrier and treat yourself as a potential carrier when you're dealing with other people as well. Because I don't you know, think any of us want to get people sick. I've been uh, fortunate to have been um, given access to several conversations, interviews, and webinars on these topics as, as you have. But uh, some of the statistics that have emerged uh, include that there are 15 million people employed in the hospitality industry nationally, but that one in four new unemployment claims was coming from the hospital, a full 25%. That's gonna apply across the board. And in a community like Tucson, Arizona, that is a travel destination, that's a service industry uh, community, as well as healthcare and technology. But that we really do rely on our resorts and our restaurants. And with that impacted as significantly as we have been, we have to do two things with data, and I know you're a data guy, and I know that when you talk about being um, a decision maker in both uh, faith and instinct, you also, the, the, the third part of your triangle is always data. You, you can't have the decision triangle not include the data as well as you know, your faith and, and, and your information. Talk for me uh, about the fact that the restaurant and hospitality industry has been hit particularly hard. And what are the up-to-date numbers that you're hearing about how our business has been impacted and how our friends in the business have yeah. been um, challenged? I'll tell you what, and I can speak from, uh, from having had some of those conversations with some of the folks in the industry itself, uh, particularly the restaurant industry what they were seeing the first week of the stay-at-home order, where obviously only, it was only uh, drive-through and carry-out uh, carry or take-out, uh, they were seeing a drop in volume to maybe 6 to 7% of where they were prior. Um, they obviously, um, part of that uh, has changed a little bit with the governor's order in that has allowed uh, uh, the dine-in service, but last week during the week, and obviously the heavy, the heavy dining was probably going to be during the weekends, but during the week, they saw double that, but that's still, what, 12 to 14% uh, of what they were doing previously. And if you were, I mean, you know better than I do even, that particularly when you're talking about the restaurant industry, the, sm the margin is small. Um, so they, they are being hit, 
particularly hard and particularly those that are not chain, those local restaurants, I worry for them uh, considerably because, uh, you know, part of the belief has been, okay, we're opening the doors, our problems are solved. The truth is there's a second component to that. Uh, I talked about the conditions that we put in place last week. Uh, there were 17 recommendations uh, for restaurants. Uh, that we put into a, a, uh, uh, reg uh, regulations, well, uh, temporary regulations during the emergency period. And when we did a survey, uh, we had almost 10,000 people respond to one survey. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> so you appreciate how hard it is to get 10,000 people to reply to a survey. And of those 17 issues, almost every one of them was rated as extremely important. Yeah. So that, that leads to the second component, because you can open your door and therefore create the supply of a dining experience. Right. Um, but the second component has, is there a demand, which means your public, your, your, your customers feel safe uh, going to dine out. And that's really what the intent of those regulations has been. The issue, and, and, and that's where we're modifying it already tomorrow because it's intended to be a work in progress, uh, is to try and balance that so that we, it's not so strict that an industry that's being so hardly hit, so hit so hard, uh, cannot operate in, in a, a way that they can keep uh, in the black. Uh, the hospitality industry, think about this. During the summer months, a lot of their traffic, uh, a lot of the food and beverage is going to be through some of the local folks uh, who are looking at staycations, going to the pools, enjoying the dine-in service, the, the bars, uh, the experience of, of, of doing something at the resort. So that's where they're having a conversation with us and what can we do to kind of help that while we're trying to maintain this bubble of uh, at least as safe as possible. And that's what I keep referring to is as safe as possible uh, within the current pandemic. Uh, you and I um, have a very um, aligned spiritual um, positivity to the way that we look at the world and the way that we move through the world, the way that we celebrate life. And, and one of the things, this is going to sound like a funny question, but, but during this period, I can't think of anybody that I know that would be more likely to have had lots of positive experiences. And, and I want to shift our conversation a little bit into the positive because it's where you and I align and, and, and sort of feel the most positive and comfortable. Will you talk about what, what, has, what has come to you in a very positive way through this experience? And how will that inform you as a leader in our community? Wow, that's, a, that's an interesting question. Um, I would tell you... A couple of things have happened that have made it uh, challenging. As, as you know, I, I lost uh, a dear friend of 31 years and my colleague, uh, Supervisor Richard Elias, uh, at the end of March. Um, and he was chairing the board at the time. Uh, and, and as I was uh, the, the vice chair and, and the, the, the board chose to elect me as the, the chair, so I, I'm now the chair of the board, uh, which has presented some unique opportunities in terms of the involvement as chair on some of the day-to-day -day operations with our county staff uh, in terms of the interaction that I get to do with a lot more people. Um, because obviously as the chair, you're not, you don't have any additional powers than any of your other colleagues, but usually when it uh, comes to making statements, when it comes to talking to the press when it comes to doing those things, you're expected to, to step up and do those things. And one of the things that, that, that I have found, uh, and, I, and I learned this from my friend, uh, the mayor of uh, Tucson, Regina Romero, and, and obviously uh, Adelita Guijalva has also uh, chimed in on that one. Those two have been very, very good with me and pushing me in that direction, is the opportunity to really pass on that, yes, this is a challenge but we are bigger than this challenge. Uh, yes, th this is some difficult times, but this too shall pass. Um, so the, the truth is sometimes we need to not only communicate uh, when we know the answer and the answer of two plus two is four, 
but in communicating the fact that, you know what, we don't have all the answers yet, right. uh, but we're going to get through this. Right. Uh, we are doing this together. Uh, we are going to do everything we can to uh, maintain public health mm -hmm. uh, so that, uh, and to protect our vulnerable populations. Um, here's what we're doing. We don't have all the answers, but we have hope. Uh, and we want to share that hope with you. One of the things that really naturally sort of blossoms into in this conversation is, is, the, is the idea of perspective and positivity and how incredibly important it is for us to have leadership who begins from the perspective of positivity and with so much fear around the unknown, about the severity, about the, the truly deadly consequences that, that are potentially out there prompting us all to change the way we live, that the need for us to be positive has never been more important. Would you, would you talk about how all of us, even in the face of the fears that are landing on our doorsteps, even in the face of this fear, we can do much to control how we perceive what's happening through our perspective. And it's, and it's something you talk about often. And, and I think it's important to give you this, this, um, this platform to say to so many of us that which you not only genuinely believe, but have inspired in me and, and others. This is, this is actually a, a moment that calls, in my mind, for such a, a positivity. Will, will you address that, please? No, absolutely. You know, one of the things that, the, that you and I have talked about at length and, uh, and, and often is, you know, whether your attitude and, and your outlook is positive or negative, it's contagious. Right. If you have a negative outlook, that's contagious. If you have a positive outlook, that's contagious. Look, we've got enough challenges outside of, of this room right now, okay? But the truth is that there's also incredible opportunity. There, and we need to change our perspective because the, if we dwell solely on the challenges, and they're there, and believe me, being in the position that I'm in, I, I see them every day. I see them every day because I have to make decisions on them almost every day. Um, but I also see, and I choose to dwell on the opportunity, on the opportunity to make the difference, whether it's one-on-one, -on, -one, on the opportunity to get a message out of hope, on the opportunity to make a, a stupid joke and laugh with my wife, on the opportunity to be on the phone or FaceTime with one of my sons and just enjoy them on the opportunity to reach out to others and allow my attitude, my hope to be contagious to them. Because right now, and we have to be very careful in this because we require the physical distancing. It doesn't, and notice, you'll notice I use the word physical distancing. And one of my colleagues, uh, Supervisor Villegas, likes safe distancing, both. And I encourage people to use those two words, not social distancing. Right. Social dis we are social animals uh, by genetics, okay? Because we require to maintain a physical distance doesn't mean we have to socially distance. I actually do virtual coffees where I grab a cup of coffee, a friend of mine grabs a cup of coffee, and we jump on Zoom. And we have a coffee, cup of coffee like we're sitting across from each other like you and I are right now. And we allow the positive energy to just uh, come across. Now, part of what I also do is remember, I get a lot of emails and some of them aren't so positive. Right. Um, and it's important that I know the content uh, so that my staff helps me understand the content of what's coming across. Uh, and I'll pick one or two a day. Uh, and I'll read through them, but I allow them to really kind of do the big picture and give me the content of what I need to know. In other words, it's important to limit the amount of negativity we take in. Okay. Uh, and you'll, if you'll notice, I get a lot of joy from those little things, the interrelationships that I have with people. Uh, but 
it, I, I don't dwell on the situation we're in right now. Right. Uh, I don't let it uh, consume me because that uh, would require, that would, that would be very difficult to overcome. Okay. I, I read a lot of positive things. I, uh, I choose to read a lot. I choose to listen to positive uh, uh, affirmations, positive podcasts, so that when I actually hear something, I, I can surround it with those positive uh, sources of incomes. Remember, our body, I think we can all accept our body is what we eat. Our mind is what we consume. If all we consume is about the current pandemic and everything that's going wrong, then that's going to be what's coming out as well. And it's going to be very difficult to be uh, positive. So I'm not saying ignore the situation because you can't. Certainly acknowledge it, realize it, take the measures we have to to be safe, but make sure you have positive coming into your life. Read, listen to podcasts, um, read, that, read a good book. Uh, if, if it's your calling, read the Bible. Fill your life with positivity. Call a friend and just laugh. Uh, yesterday, my, my wife dropped something on the floor. I don't even know what it was. And the way it happened was so funny. The two of us were sore laughing. And, you know, that is like what I remember about yesterday. Allow those positive interpersonal relationships to be what you dwell on, to be what you remember. And then before we go to bed, visualize what was the best thing that happened to me today? And then think about what's going to be the best thing that happens to me tomorrow. Because as we visualize, those things are going to happen. We're, we're prophesizing our own future. So if you'll notice, yes, I acknowledge the negative. And believe me, there are a few people who are more aware of it than I am. But I feed my mind with, all, with a lot of positive. In the last two weeks, I think I've read three or four books already. Uh, in addition to the podcast and everything else. Don't allow a time where we have to physically distance to let us socially distance. Reach out to others. One of the things that I love to do most when I'm feeling down is I reach out to somebody who I know needs somebody. And there is such pleasure, such joy, such positivity in being able to be there for them, to help them. So, you know, oftentimes the good book talks about the, the yeah, uh, receiving is nice, but the true receiving is in giving because what I get is so much greater than what I give uh, in just how I feel about myself, my community, and my life is so much more than, than I'm giving that person. But reach out to somebody who needs to hear from you. I think, one of, I think one of the many things that has come about for us all in this experience is if you've been at home, and I'm not gonna say stuck at home because it's a choice, but if you've been at home and you have felt the pangs of longing for the social fabric, that infrastructure of um, sociability and conviviality that lifts us all up with the joy and the light that it brings to our lives on a daily basis, imagine then people who are in hospitals and nursing homes who had this before pandemic, who were virtually locked in a world of their own. Think of how much more empathetic we can be and appreciative of those sorts of people and circumstances. And, and now, how do we change moving forward to remember that there's something we can do today to maybe help them? Now, maybe that's not everybody's calling, but it's going to be for someone. And it's about that idea of perspective. This has given us some extraordinary perspective on almost every front of existence in our world. And From I would a, use the word opportunity. Yeah, it is, it is truly an opportunity. And how each of us will see that opportunity in an actionable way is really powerful. But I use it to come back to the moment of, in everything I'm hearing you talk about in terms of positivity, there is a very present sense about it. It's not necessarily that the future has to be positive, that you help us focus on being here and now in the present. That seems to be 
an important part of, of what you're talking about. Am I wrong in hearing that? No, you're, ab you're absolutely right because the only, we can't control the past. Uh, that's in the past. Uh, frankly, we can affect the future, but we don't control it at this point. The only thing we really control is our, is our present. Whether you're reaching out to somebody, whether you're laughing, reading, listening, uh, uh, praying, uh, meditating, whatever it is you're doing, right now is the only time you're going to get to do it right now. Right. So it's important that what we're doing is perspective shifting from the challenge to the opportunity. Because the opportunities are great. It's just we got to shift that perspective. And as we shift our perspective, those around us will be contaminated with that attitude too. Instead of being a negative contamination, it'll be a positive contamination. Remember, we affect the sphere of influence around us. And we make um, it possible a lot of times. Friends in the Business with me, Jennifer English. Always an interesting show with the 49ers Golf and Country Club sponsoring this, that we're very grateful for. And, uh, you know, it'd be nice for you to meet somebody by the name of Mackenzie. I call her Macca. <laughs> Mackenzie Taylor is her name. Hi there, Macca. Hi, great to see you. <laughs> Mackenzie Taylor is the executive chef of the 49ers. And she is also the food and beverage manager, correct? That's correct, You're yes. You're a busy little girl, aren't you? <laughs> lots and lots to do. What's your background? How on earth did you get into food? Well, I fell in love with food when I was actually pregnant with my daughter 13 and a half years ago and was watching Martha Stewart a lot. And I decided I really wanted to learn how to cook just like she did. And so I just got a passion for cooking and baking and um, entertaining. And so when I came to Tucson 12 years ago, I enrolled at Pima Community College through their culinary school program mm. and spent two and a half years in that program, met some amazing local chefs, uh, had the opportunity to start working for a catering company in town, uh, worked with them for many years, worked at a couple restaurants downtown and just really expanded my horizons. Uh, when I got the opportunity to be the executive chef at Pantano Christian Church uh, on the east side. That was amazing. We got to feed so many people, and it was such a community-driven atmosphere. It was amazing. I think it was in the vicinity of some 2,000 or something, wasn't it? Yes. We have a lot a lot of um, wonderful members who come weekly and who uh, join us for breakfast and lunch. That's a lot of cooking, isn't it? <laughs> it was a lot of picking. It was a lot of picking, but it truly prepared me for what we're doing now, too, at the country club. So. There you go. Now, this um, wonderful training that you got at Beamer, what was that, two years, did you say? Yeah, it was just over two years, mm -hmm. um, and it's an amazing culinary program that's local here in town. Uh, it's all local chefs who are the instructors. Right. So you learn everything from hot foods to gar manger to baking to pastry. It's the amazing. Works. The works. You took to it like a duck takes to water. <laughs> exactly. Or orange say. sauce. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because it's um, it's evident in your, in your food. I mean, uh, people at the Rincon Grill, which is at the 49ers Golf and Country Club, who proudly sponsor Tucson Means Business, uh, they're raving about uh, all your wonderful changes and things that you've done. Um, so I think you learned with a passion, and I think it's part of you. It's just who you are, yes? Thank you, yes, yeah. The passion definitely radiates. I always say if you don't have passion in the kitchen, uh, get out, because it is too hot and crazy in there if you're not doing what you love. Exactly. And although, you know, you're regarded as back of house because as executive chef, you're teaching and training and also overseeing the other uh, chefs, and other people in what we call the kitchen area and so on. But you're also front of house, aren't you, with your other role? Yes. So I've had such an interest in banquets and, and people. I love people. I always say they can't keep me back in the kitchen. I've got to come out to the floor, see the dining room, talk to people, touch tables, just check on everything. I really want to make sure that the quality of the service and the food that you're getting when you come into the 49er Country Club is just overall 100%. Um, it's really been amazing to be able to uh, work with the front of house team, which I call the hospitality team. So our hospitality team and our culinary team um, really have the same direction, the same vision for where we're going. And I think that's really exciting to see. It is. It's And you are leading the fray. There's no doubt about that. And when we talk about, you know, uh, there's fine dining and, and then there's just, you know, finger foods, right? And just <laughs> bar foods. It's interesting that the Ring Kong Grill is neither. 
Right. But it's, it's all. It's everything. Exactly. We want you to have amazing bar food. We want you to have a nice cold beer after a hot game of golf out there and feel comfortable ordering soft pretzels and wings. Uh, but we also want to really give you a variety on our dinner menu as well of, you know, beautiful mahi-mahi and salmon and chicken piccata. Uh, and of course, it, it wouldn't be a country club without a perfect club sandwich. So <laughs> we definitely have those offerings as well. Mackenzie Taylor. Executive chef extraordinaire of the Rincon Grill. When you do go there, ask for her. She'd love to meet you. We're not talking about business per se, but the fact is that when we have this conversation, we are absolutely talking about business and not any one industry, although we did mention the hospitality industry being in particularly important to the Tucson economy and culture. Uh, but the fact remains that we are talking about every industry in, and, and we are talking about every business. How do you see in your role uh, with the Board of Supervisors uh, business responding in inspiring ways? Because now in your role as chairman, you are getting to interface and respond to and see the best practices and the best angels among us emerging in these times. Can you share a few stories of some of the really powerful, positive things coming out of this moment in our business culture and community? I'll give you an example of a, a couple of ones that come to mind right off the top. Um, we had obviously one of the great challenges in this whole uh, situation has been uh, personal protective equipment. Uh, in a lot of cases, gowns or protective uh, um, coverings, um, so that we had a local company who is in the aerospace industry who now is manufacturing gowns for healthcare workers. Oh, wow. Um, because we couldn't get them. We have another local business who is in the 5G space uh, in terms of uh, uh, basically radio communications or cell, the next generation of cell phones. Uh, and they want, they got some PPE monies and wanted to do something, uh, important and good for the world. And so they're working with a company in Mexico and they are within days at this point of getting licensed in Mexico. Uh, and they're providing the brains of the equipment for uh, a very low cost ventilator, um, to, for, to help in Mexico. Wow. Uh, and so they're doing uh, the test, uh, the final testing right now before uh, they're doing. And obviously, that's not something they had to do. Uh, did it make business sense? It's questionable, but we, we see people stepping up. We see businesses stepping up. Uh, and over and over, we see a lot of cases. One of the most wonderful things that we were doing is that we decided to do an essential workers campaign uh, on social media. My, uh, my office has. And so we ask people to recommend people who are essential workers who have been working throughout this entire uh, time. And we take their, we uh, ask them for their picture and then we write a story about them. You know, I mean, Jennifer, you know me. So that's, I love doing that because you're recognizing people a lot of times for doing what they would have been doing anyway, but they're still doing it. And to give them thanks and gratitude and recognition Again, it's about sharing that positive uh, social experience. And now, you know what? How much, how many times did that person go to work and feel unappreciated? Right. And then today, they're on social media streams being thanked by, by a, a local elected official and in large part by the entire community for doing their job because their job was so important. You used the word previously, um, opportunity, to define a, a, any manner of things that this moment in time has afforded us. Will you talk about the redefinition of opportunity in this moment in time? You know, uh, I think um, it's really funny because I think it's human nature. And, and, you know, at the beginning, I think all of us felt a, a little challenged. Uh, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? We didn't know how... Uh, how many people were going to get sick. We were being told that there was a high mortality rate, that, that the mortality rate was uh, much greater than that of the influenza. And um, I mean, for Pete's sake, we didn't even know uh, uh, in what ways um, we could get the, the COVID-19 virus. 
Um, and so I think, uh, you know, I, I, it was absolutely normal to kind of dwell in, in that reality. Um, but as we're going around in that reality, you have to realize that that leads to a really negative end uh, and really kind of wears you out without, I guess, when I say opportunity, um, I look at opportunity as the ability to make a difference in someone else's life, uh, whether it's uh, uh, through helping businesses, whether it's helping an individual, whether it's recognizing people for doing a job that is so important right now whether it's um, being on a phone call with a friend, your son, uh, enjoying a, 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 light, a moment of levity with your wife. You know, a lot of times I think that, that our life has been so fast paced that we have forgotten the value yeah. of the small things. When I say opportunity, sometimes they're large, but most often they're those small things. Well, when it comes to improving and enhancing the lives of others, I like to define opportunity as privilege. The privilege is not that I get to cut to the front of the line or I get the best seat in the house. To me, privilege is that moment where you are able to live the service that you're called to do, uh, which, of course, I marvel and, and cheer you for doing in your role uh, in your public life. I want to ask, relative to where we are in the world, there's been a lot of speculation about our climate having had a positive impact on the impact of the COVID. Have you seen any science or seen any data that suggests that, again, to use the word, like we're kind of lucky to be here and not somewhere else? Mm -hmm. Um, not specific to COVID-19 in truth, uh, but if you take a look at, uh, if you look at ambient and cold temperatures, obviously cold preserves things, uh, ambient temperatures, things can survive in. It's usually, um, if you talk to any scientist or any, anybody with scientific background, and obviously I'm an engineer by education, you look at heat actually denaturizes viruses and bacteria. Yes. So in other words, it either makes them sterile or kills them. Um, so, I mean, if, if you, if, which is if why we use autoclaves to sterilize dental equipment before you go in and have your, you know, cavity fixed. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So that, that obviously, uh, we can probably, um, fairly confidently conclude that the heat that we, that we were experiencing a couple of weeks ago certainly doesn't hurt. And as we are, tend to be some of the few things that can survive in this heat, the, uh, us Tucsonans and Arizonans. But certainly, I, I haven't seen specific data uh, on COVID-19 related. It's just the behavior of other bacteria and viruses. I have to tell you, you're one of my like favorite, um, I'm going to use this term with tremendous respect and affection. You're one of my very favorite nerds who gets really excited about scientific and because and, it's like you're so brilliant and you get it and I don't. I got to ask you this. What has been a cool piece of data that has emerged from this period of time that has really sort of lit you up about either we have amazing technology to treat it, deal with it, measure it, address it, or something maybe even totally surprising. Has there been some data that just lit you up about all this? You know, I will tell you, uh, it's not something unexpected. Um, and it's not necessarily data. If you look at Tucson and our community, every time we have uh, traversed through trauma, whether it was uh, what happened to, to Congresswoman Giffords. Yeah, or January 8th. Obama, it's, it, we're really unique in that you see this, this gelling uh, of the community. And, and it, it, you, we've, we've seen it here where people are willing to be there for others. Yeah. Willing to say, hey, lean on me whether it's in supporting our healthcare community, whether it's in taking care of our vulnerable populations, whether it's in just showing up and doing your job that's so essential today. Uh, and if you didn't do it, um, other things were going to, to, to happen that weren't so positive. Uh, you know, it's just, 
we see this gelling of this attitude. It's almost a spiritual. You and I have talked about our region kind of being this way. It's almost a spiritual coming together um, as as we become part of the whole of what makes our community so wonderful. Uh, Um, So it's not surprising, but it's been wonderful to see as well. I have to report that I could tell you a hundred stories about uh, people that have risen to the moment from the team at La Cocina uh, downtown, preparing meals for displaced and out of work, hospitality industry workers who didn't necessarily qualify for uh, unemployment insurance or that still have a job but only have a job maybe one day a week that that the that the that the family uh joe and, and schneider and her family are, are feeding these people in the industry when they can't it makes you also realize that for the soup kitchens and the food pantries and the produce on wheels without waste that comes in and makes it possible to distribute food that there are literally hundreds of stories every day about our friends and our neighbors making sure that we're taking care of those in need. And because so many of us rely on the hospitality industry as that sort of first line of philanthropy. You know, we're having a little fundraiser at my son's school. Can you donate a gift certificate? Those are the restaurants that always are asked first and that that always come through. Well, now all those waiters and waitresses and bartenders and busboys and dishwashers are without work, uh, and we're all finding ways to to help pay them back in a way uh, for that which they've so happily donated to us and, and given to us. To me, those are the stories that are really articulate representations of who this place is and who we are as a people. Um, you know what? The, I mentioned earlier about the essential workers. If anyone knows of somebody who we can recognize, we'd love to recognize them. Just uh, get us their, their name, information, and, and why, uh, why we should recognize them and just send it uh, to dist2 at pima.gov and we'll be happy to, to, and also how to communicate with them, by the way, so that we can get a picture and, and talk to them a so little bit. So dist2 at pima.gov? Yep. We'll put that up on our sites. I have to say that all of the first responders and then all of the county uh, employees that I've encountered uh, at the courthouse and uh, anywhere and everywhere that are showing up and and doing their job uh, and doing it with uh, respect and dignity, uh, I just want to salute them all, and, and I'm sure there's no shortage of people being nominated for these honors. But if you know of any uh, by name, please send them to us, and we'll be happy to recognize them. Uh, we, we've only got a minute left, and, and I'm so grateful for your time. What do you, I'm going to give you the last word. What do you want to leave us with? What do you want to, what do you want to say and share with us? You know, um, we talked about it a little bit, uh, uh, or considerably. In terms of that perspective, okay, it is easy to be consumed with what's going on. It is easy to be frightened, and it's okay. We're human. We're human beings. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. What we need to do is there are people willing to help when you're when you need the help, and when you don't need the help, reach out to somebody, give them a call, be on Zoom. In a time of physical distancing, let's not social distance. Let's understand the importance as human beings of the connection that we feel. Let's understand that Tucson and Pima County is a special place that connects us all together. And let's, let's not only derive value, but great positivity and opportunity for the future from those energies. I could talk to you all day. I wish we had more time. I don't want it to be so long between our last visit and our next. Um, thank you for everything you're doing. Uh, and, and I want to say particularly, uh, because we haven't had you on the air with us uh, since uh, the loss of uh, Supervisor uh, Elias, would you just, in the minute or so that we do have left, would you just talk about uh, that extraordinary um, leader and man of character? 
You know, Richard was a man of very strong and passionate beliefs who actually was a warrior for those uh, many beliefs. And whether or not you agreed with him or not, you certainly admired him for both will it, being willing to step up, fill the gap, and fight for those and what he believed in. He was a man who was not only a community leader, but a husband, a father, and a brother. You know, I still have three recordings from, uh, from when he left them uh, on my voicemail that I, that I haven't gotten rid of, and I've played it for some of my colleagues. And every time I think about Richard, as you can tell, I'm about ready to just start laughing um, because uh, we were friends for 31 years. And when I talked to his brother, I said to him, or his brother told me, he says, he always thought of you as a brother. I said, I know, Albert. And, and I said, and we fought like brothers sometimes. But that, what that meant is that uh, you were always going to forgive each other and you always had each other's back. Um, and so this is, uh, as I said, a, a, a brother, a father, a husband, a leader, a warrior, a very uh, man of, uh, of strong convictions. Um, somebody that I had the honor of knowing and wor working with well for many, many years, uh, who I miss, but who I celebrate every time I laugh at those stupid memories that I've talked about making. And that's the value of those memories that I'm suggesting that we all use as opportunities because I laugh every time I think about that uh, Supervisor Richard Elias because we have so many memories just of just dumb things we did or our jokes that we told or bad jokes that he told on days that nobody else laughed at the just, how do you not laugh at what he contributed to my life and be thankful for them? That you sounds like you're describing joy. Yep. And that's what we need to seek in this time with each other. Holding the beacon, that joyful beacon uh, from that um, leadership uh, position, which you now hold, I hope that everyone can see the light from that torch that you're holding up for us. And that may the next days, weeks, and potentially months to come as we continue to, I don't want to say battle, but experience and rise to the challenge of this moment. Um, I want to thank you for holding that up and making it possible for us to remember and to keep the faith that there is in fact joy and that we are all in this together. And I don't know if I say that, uh, Ramo, is it more important to focus on the us or the together? Uh, what part of all in this together do you think is most important? The this or the together piece? Together. We are social by definition, by genetics, by who we are. Together. We're in this together. We will get out of this together. We will have hope together. We will continue our faith together, letter, together. And when this is over, we will be better together. Thank you very much, my friend. It's been good to have you with me. Thank you, Jennifer. It's uh, wonderful to see you again and to be with you. Thanks to the 49ers and the Ring Kong Grill, we trust you enjoyed Friends in the Business with Jennifer English.